Please take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, we will be looking at verses 6 through 9 this morning. You know, I'm at times asked by people, how did folks in the Old Testament come into a relationship with God? Now, many have the erroneous belief that it was by keeping the Ten Commandments or doing things, uh, proper things, right things, that people came into a relationship with God. And those people would be wrong. Because what we're going to see from God's Word today is the truth that faith has always been the way to God. Faith has always been what God has counted as righteousness for us. So we want to see that crystal clear from the text that we'll be looking into this morning. Now as we come to this passage, I want you to notice that the sixth verse begins with Abraham. And what we're going to see is this. Faith has always been the path to righteousness, and Abraham is the illustration of that truth that the Apostle Paul gives us. Now think about what was going on in the church of Galatia, and think about why Paul would choose Abraham. You had a group of people who were coming into the church of Galatia, and they were basically saying, it's only by keeping the Old Testament law, it's only by doing the rite of circumcision that a person comes into the right relationship with God. If you don't have these things, then you don't have a relationship with God. These were descendants of Abraham. And so Paul says, well, okay, let's go to the source. Let's think about what God says in His Word about how Abraham came into a relationship with Him. And you know what we discover? When we go back to Genesis chapter 15, very early on in Abraham's relationship with God, God made a promise to Abraham. Abraham had not done anything at that point to speak of. And what do we find? Genesis 15.4, it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. Now, look in particular at the sixth verse. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, this was before circumcision. This was before the law. This was before any of the things that many of the false teachers that were coming in to the church at Galatia said a person had to do in order to enter into a relationship with God. The response of Abraham, his faith to what God said, brought him into righteousness where God credited righteousness to him because of faith. And that is the point that we want to look at first. We want to understand that it's not what a person does that brings them into right standing with God. It's what a person believes that Christ did for them. For Abraham, as I said, it was well before circumcision. Later in the 17th chapter, Abraham is many more years uh, advanced. 
He's 99, and it says this, Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised. So the circumcision came after the faith was credited as righteousness, right? And then Abraham was hundreds of years before the law. And that's the point that Paul is making in this passage. If he predates the law, if he predates circumcision, and where God said, you are now counted as righteous then we need to rethink, how does a person come into a relationship with God? It can't be what they do. It must be what they believe. Abraham was presented by many of the Jews of his day as the model for how a person has a relationship with God. Many of them believed it was what Abraham had done. As a matter of fact, a very complex and elaborate system had been developed by the rabbis where they took ten acts of righteousness that Abraham had done and they equated it with the ten commandments and they said, see, Abraham, even though he predated the law, had done some of the things in the law, so therefore Abraham was saved by what he did. But what Paul is saying is this, look, don't look to the tradition Don't look to the reasonings of man and understanding how you have a relationship with God. Look at what God says. Understand what God communicates, what He has revealed. For it isn't what man says that really matters as far as how we are right with God. What truly matters is what God says. And what did God say? Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now let's think about... What is being said by Abraham believed? The word belief is just a very simple word that means to put your faith in, but it also means to entrust yourself to something. So the idea is this. When it says that Abraham believed God, what it means is this. He had the kind of faith that produced action. It's not the action that brings us into a relationship with God, but it's a kind of faith that takes God at His word and believes it so much that you act on it. You see, I would submit to you that a person doesn't really have faith in something until they entrust themselves to it. For instance, I might say, I believe this person's a great driver. Sure, they've had their share of accidents, Sure, they're a little reckless. Yeah, they lost their license. But, you know, I still believe they're a good driver. Now, the question is this. Would I jump in a car with them? Mm -mm. If I feared for my life, even even though I might say I believe this person's a good driver, I'm not going to do it. Faith produces entrusting myself to something. Really, when you think about it, you ride with another person, you're really trusting them and their driving skills. You come to the place to where you say, I'm putting my life in their hands. I trust that they're going to get me from point A to point B without being too terribly damaged. That's the idea. And really, that's what we do with God. When God says something, faith comes to the place to where we say, yes, I, I believe this, but so much so that I'm willing to trust my eternal destiny to what God has said in his word. I will entrust myself to it. And this is what Abraham did with God and his promises. He entrusted himself to those promises. But then I want you to look at what else this sixth verse says. 
Abraham believed God and what? It was credited to him as righteousness. Now, what does it mean to have something credited as righteousness? Okay, how many of you have a checking account? Probably just about everybody, right? Some of you even have debit cards, right? And you use the debit cards, and if you're using a debit card, you probably are going online. And when you look online, you know what you see? Credit every time you make a deposit, debit every time you spend money, right? Here's the impression. Abraham had a debit, a major debit. And guess what? We all have that same debit, and that debit is sin. We can't offset the sin by the good things that we do. Sin always outbalances any of the good things that we do. So we have a problem. There's a shortfall. What happened? Abraham believed God, and God brought the balance so far ahead that all of the sin was offset. God put righteousness to Abraham's account. Now, when you read Abraham's life after what happened in Genesis 15, he did some sinful things. He wasn't made perfect. He lied about his wife being his sister. He slept with handmaiden. He did some things that we would look at and say, well, you know, that's, that's sin. But here's the thing. Because of his faith, God had credited it as righteousness, and that faith slowly but surely began to transform Abraham to where his actions caught up with the faith, but there was change. And that's what happens with us. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. We put our faith in Him. We entrust ourselves to Him. But here's what also happens. Once we entrust ourselves to God, God transforms us. He changes us. He makes us new. And that's what it means that God has credited righteousness to us. One verse in the Bible puts it this way, and it's not in your outlines, but it is in the Bible. And that's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He made him who knew no sin become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus' righteousness is credited to our account. Earlier in that same chapter, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away. Behold, new things come. God transforms us. He changes us. It's because of the righteousness that comes by us placing our faith in what Christ did for us that God counts it as righteousness toward us. We all have this shortfall when it comes to righteousness. Romans 3.23 very simply says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all are in that same condition, falling short. But faith brings us to the place to where God credits that faith in what Jesus did as righteousness. And for that, we can be truly thankful. You know, if you want a great commentary 
on Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, go to Romans 4. Because the same issue is discussed in Romans chapter 4. And look at what we find in just the first part of this passage. Romans 4, starting at verse 1, when it says this, What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now this gives us an insight into why it is inappropriate for us to come to the place to where we say, it's what I do that brings about my righteousness. You know what's going to happen if I say it's what I do that leads to my righteousness? I'm going to boast. I can't help myself. I'm going to walk around and say, look at how righteous I am. Now, some people do that even though Christ died on the cross for their sins and they received him. They still become kind of smug and self-righteous, and and that's wrong. We as believers are sinners saved by grace. We should never be holier than thou. We shouldn't have that error. There should be humility, not boasting. And what happens is this. When I understand that it was my faith that brought me into a relationship with God, that brings me to the place of humility. I can't walk around singing how great I art. All I can do is sing how great God is. And I get it. And it's lived out in my life. God wants us to understand that we are to be those who do not boast because we have nothing to boast about. You know what I can boast about? Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for my sin. And by His grace, He brings forgiveness, makes me right with God, all on the basis of trusting Him and taking Him at His word. That's what the Word of God teaches us. And that's the point that Paul is bringing out in this passage. Now, as I was studying this passage, I came across some really good things in the New American Commentary. I can't take credit for these myself, but there were three lessons that we can learn from Abraham, and I just want to share these with you very quickly. The first lesson is this. Faith eliminates boasting. Now, we just covered that one. It's pretty evident that from Romans chapter 4, the boasting is out the window when we really understand that God is the one who makes us righteous on the basis of faith. Number two, faith excludes human reason. I don't come into a relationship with God because I've looked at conventional wisdom and I've bought into what man says about how I have my relationship with God. I'm not to take a poll and say, well, what do most people believe about how you have a relationship with God and form my opinion on that? You know what I'm to do? I'm to go to the source. I'm to go to God's eternal word. And I'm to see what God's word says about how a person has a relationship with God. And I'm to form my understanding on the basis of that and that alone. Abraham took God at his word and it was credited to him as righteousness. We do the same. We take God at his word what he said about his provision of Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And we are made right with God by the power of God and our trust by him appropriating to us what Christ did on the cross. We are made right with him. Finally, faith expresses itself in obedience. Faith alone saves us, but that faith that saves us is never alone. 
And what I mean is this. Faith brings me to the place of righteousness. But it is God's transforming of me. His reformation. His change. When I have truly trusted Christ, that empowers me to live a righteous life right here, right now. If I try in my own power, in my own strength, boom, I fall flat on my face. But when I count on the power of God and the transformative power of grace, then I can see change, real change, lasting change, because it is the work of God and not the work of man. Now, which is greater, the work of God or the work of man? God's work. Obviously, God's work is more powerful than man's work. And what we need to do is understand that it is God who transforms and changes us. It's not works that brings about salvation, but it is salvation that brings about works. That's the idea. And that's what the Word of God is bringing out so clearly in this passage. Now, as we continue in the text, we find that the Word of God goes into something that's very controversial for the first century. And it's this idea. The fatherhood of Abraham is extended to children of faith. Now, once again, I want you to transport back to the first century in your mind for a moment. And I want you to think about this. Again, the people who were bringing in the idea that it's what we do that makes us right with God and you have to be circumcised and you have to observe the Ten Commandments and you have to do all of these ritualistic rules that were a part of Judaism. All of them believed that they had a tie with God because they were descendants of Abraham. They had an in with God because their blood heritage tied them to Abraham. What the Word of God brings out in this text is, look, it's not your blood relation that gives you an in with God. It's your faith. Look at what the seventh verse says. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Now, what the false teachers were saying as they came into the church at Galatia was this. Hey, you're not really a child of Abraham or in connection with God because you're Gentiles. You weren't born into the family of Abraham. And if you want to become a part of the blessings that God promised Abraham, then you have to become like Abraham and like us. And apart from that, you'll never have a relationship. Paul is saying in this text something that probably just slapped them upside the head. He's saying to them, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. In other words, it's not your heritage. It's your faith. There's more of a bond for a believing Gentile who trusts God and takes him at his word than there is for a blood relative of Abraham. That's what he's saying. Now, that would have been shocking to them. Probably infuriated many of them, but it's the truth. I want you to think about this for a moment. Where did Abraham come from? He came from what would be today modern-day Iraq. He was a Gentile who was called to be the special people of God. What brought him to the place of being 
the chosen one, the special people of God, his faith sealed the deal. God called him, but balanced with that was Abraham's response of faith. And so that's what brought the very first one into this chosen race. The descendants of Abraham came as Gentiles to become the people of faith. What ties us to Abraham? Coming and being the people of faith as well. Now, as I looked at this passage and as I thought about it, you know what this reminded me of? There are some people who say, you know what, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents were both Christians. My grandparents were Christians. So therefore, because of that blood relationship, I'm a Christian too. They were very much like these Jewish false teachers who were in the first century, thinking that their tie to God somehow is inherited by their bloodline because they've attended the same church that their parents have attended all their lives, because they've sung the same hymns, read the same scriptures, all of that, they somehow have this relationship with God. Let me tell you something. Just as the Jews who maybe had a blood relation with Abraham but never placed their faith in God are lost, so is a child or an adult who says, I go to church, I do stuff at church, I'm involved. If they haven't taken their faith and placed it in God, their connection by being descendants of a Christian home don't bring them an in with God any more than the people that Paul is writing about in this passage. And we need to understand that. Faith alone brings us into this relationship with God. And the amazing thing is this. That kind of faith will always bring about change. Let me repeat this. While it's faith alone that saves us, that saving faith is never alone. It's accompanied by good works. Let me share this with you. We love when we quote the principle that we don't work to come into a relationship with God. We love to quote Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. Now that is truth. We understand that. And really, the issue of our salvation is settled when it comes to faith. Notice it says, for it is by faith that you have been saved through faith. In other words, that's the conclusion of the deal. The faith... Not my human works, but what God has done. But then look at the 10th verse. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, what's that saying? If I have truly been saved, that is, brought into a relationship with God, where I've placed my personal faith in Him, then the result is I will do good works. God transforms me. He will bring those about as a part of my life. You don't have one without the other. 
A person who maintains, I'm a follower of God, but lives no differently than the rest of the world, had better question whether they've taken the initial step of having truly placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Was this something that was done because it's the heritage of my family to pray this prayer? Pray it, but not really think about what it means and entrust yourself to God? Does that mean that if, according to the traditions of my family, if I walk down the aisle of a church when an invitation is given, that I've responded? No, unless we really mean what we say when we ask Christ to take our lives and come into our hearts. Nothing has been accomplished. Faith is entrusting ourselves to God, and that means we allow God to transform us. We don't transform ourselves and become perfect, and then God finally accepts us, but we do receive Christ, enter into a relationship with Him, and He transforms us. And that's what we really need to understand from this text. That's what brings us into right standing with God. I want you to look at something else. This idea of Abraham blessing the Gentiles, of them becoming his children, this wasn't a new idea. Look at the eighth verse. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed in you. What God was doing was promising Abraham that through him, there would be more than just his bloodline descendants that would be blessed by what he had done. Now let's look at this passage in Genesis to see the context. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you. I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This was the promise that God had made to Abraham. Now, how were all the peoples of the earth blessed through Abraham? It was through the seed of Abraham that the Messiah would come, Jesus Christ. And that brought blessing to everyone. And we know that this applies to the Messiah because Jesus identified this. Abraham understood that there would be one who would come as Messiah And Jesus said this, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, what that means is this. Abraham recognized there would be the coming Messiah. He recognized that through his seed, Messiah would bless the peoples of the world. He saw it through the eyes of faith. He trusted God. And we need to understand that while the Jews were clinging to tradition and really what had become a man-made religion, they rejected that blessing that God had promised all of the earth. But now, there were those who were believers who were confused and false teachers who came in to confuse 
who were trying to draw this fledgling church back into man-made religion and traditionalism themselves. And that's why the Apostle Paul had to address this. It was something that would bring great harm. It's by faith that we come into a relationship with God, and it's that same faith that brings all of the blessing of God into our lives. Faith brings blessing. And that's the point that the Word of God wants to make to us today. Some of us play this game with God sometimes. God, if I do this, then will you do this? You ever done that? Or if we don't say it in the future tense, sometimes we'll say, God, look at all these things that I've done, and this is all I'm asking of you. None of that means a thing. It's our faith that brings us into right standing with God, and that alone, and God doesn't owe us anything. It's not a bartering system, not a quid pro quo. It's us understanding that by trusting what God has done for me, I can have a relationship with him, forgiveness of sin, and he will change me, he'll transform me, he'll make me a new person. We come into the blessing of Abraham because we come the same way Abraham came, by faith. Final point. Faith brings us to the place of blessing with Abraham. Look at verse 9. So, those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. How do we come into the place of blessing? To where we receive the inheritance that God promised Abraham? To where we receive that right relationship with him, that same word is found in verse 9, faith. When we take God at his word, trust him, he makes us right. We can never make ourselves right with God. That can't be emphasized enough. But by trusting that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin, that his sacrifice was sufficient to cleanse me of my sin, to wash it away, to credit to my account the righteousness that I need. When God does that, we're made right with Him. Let me encourage you this morning. If you're a believer, give thanks to God for the free gift of salvation. Give thanks to God that it is faith alone and Christ alone that gives you salvation. But also, think about this. Has my life reflected that faith? Now, I'm not talking about sinless perfection. If that were the case, I'd have to step behind from this pulpit and walk home and not show up here again. What I'm talking about is an attitude that at least seeks the Lord, that wants to please Him, that looks at your life and says, does my life reflect a follower of Jesus Christ? If you have no concern about where you stand, 
in your relationship with God and pleasing Him, question whether you've truly entrusted yourself to God. Question whether you've had the kind of faith that's described in the Scripture. You see, when Abraham believed God and he told him to leave Ur of the Chaldees to go several hundred miles away to the promised land, to the land of Canaanites, he had faith, but the faith produced action. And that's the kind of faith that we should have as well, the kind of faith that entrusts itself to God and says to God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, so I entrust my eternal destiny to you. Change me and make me the kind of person you want me to be. That's the idea. So I encourage you, if you look at your life and you have question in that area, commit your life to Jesus Christ by faith and watch him go to work. Watch him change you. Watch him transform you. These are vital decisions. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text. Lord, as we look into this text, we see a challenge for us. We can count on religious systems and man-made ideas, or we can count on the Word of God. Father, I pray that each person in this sanctuary today has a relationship with you. That's my hope and my prayer. But Lord, if there is one who is not sure or one who does not, may they exercise that faith by entrusting themselves to you. May they see their need as a sinner. May they see the provision that you've given in Jesus Christ. And that, Father, by entrusting themselves to you, trusting that Christ and his death forgives them of their sin, that faith can transform us to credit righteousness to our account and to bring about the change that saving faith brings. Thank you for these promises and this hope. And we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.